I've shared this before, but you're either coming out of a hard time, you're in the middle of a hard time, or you're probably heading into a hard time. Uh, we're going to use a different term today. Uh, this last song set us up really well. Um, we're going to use the word fire. Uh, fire will describe uh, health-related challenges and financial challenges and relational challenges. Um, there's any kind of challenges in life. So I would say that there's a, there's a fair chance that you're either coming out of a fire, you're in the middle of a fire right now, or you're probably heading into a fire. I, I don't, um, I, I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation here. Um, would you be willing, I'm not going to follow up with another question, it's only one question, would you be willing to raise your hand if this describes you in any way? You uh, have just come out of a fire, or you're in the middle of a fire right now, um, and, well, I guess we don't know if we're going into a fire. <laughs> All right, I see no hands. So, oh, there we go. I got some hands. All right, so I can preach today. I was actually going to just stop and walk away if, if we didn't have any need for this. Um, I, no, I, I actually, the reason I asked that, I, I, I think we should check on each other more. Um, we are a, a body. We're a church. We're a church family. And, uh, and the truth is, all of us are going through something. Have recently, we know someone that's close to us. We got to check on each other more. We got to. We're here to take care of each other. Um, so, what do you do when you're in the middle of a fire? That's the question that I hope this text this morning and our story will will answer for us today. We're going through the book of Daniel. We started last week, and we've looked at. We're gonna. We're going to look at five different stories uh, that help us to uh, to stand to stand differently, to stand out for God was last week. Uh, um, Daniel and his friends, they stayed obedient, even when the consequences were really high. That was chapter one. Skipped over chapter two, Ellie just read something from it. But basically, God interpreted the king's dreams through Daniel, and it put Daniel in a new position. He, he was appointed uh, the, the ruler over the entire province of Babylon. He was in charge of all the wise men. And, and he stayed in the royal court then. So I, I'm sharing this because our story today in chapter 3, you'll notice that Daniel is not with his friends anymore, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Last week they were together and they, they, they were willing to stand up and, and not eat the food and drink the, the wine that was dedicated uh, to, uh, to false gods. And so they're separate now. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon. And so now we come to chapter 3 and our second big way that we can stand for God. I'm going to paraphrase the first 11 verses here because there's a lot today. But basically, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the evil king. He's the one that took them out of, out of Jerusalem. He destroyed the temple. He changed their names. He wiped out their identity. He was just a, a very evil king. And he built a statue. He, he didn't build it himself, I'm sure. He had a statue of himself built that was about 90 feet high and nine feet wide. Pretty, pretty good sized statue there. And so we had all the officials come together for a dedication. It was pretty simple. When the music starts, bow down to the statue and worship. If you don't, you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace. And so when the music started, what would you do? The king tells you to do this, and here's the consequences. So most people, they bowed down, and they worshiped the statue. Except some of the astrologers came and told on some people who did not. And this is where we get verse 12. It says, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of music, or the sound of, uh, of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Kind of seems like he's saying, hey, uh, maybe they said this, but when the music starts, just go ahead and you're, you're good to go. He, he really did like them. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing fire. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? All right, I want to take a moment and consider the situation before we go on in the story. There have been times... Um, actually, today's Sunday, so on Friday, was it Friday or, yeah, or Saturday, Friday, yeah, I had to ask my kids, um, there have been times when I have told them to clean up the playroom, and, uh, and it didn't maybe get done, and I, so then I got to the point where I would, I would threaten them, I would say, if you don't clean up the playroom, I'll give you one hour, when that hour passes, I'm going to take the rest of the toys and throw them into the trash can, right, that's, uh, I don't want to because I bought many of those toys and uh, I'd probably make them sad and then they would cry and I have to buy them something else to replace it. So I don't want to and they know that. I think they, they know that. They got me. Um, but I have a couple times. I, I know I threw away um, one of uh, your little Kindle. Yeah, uh, threw that in the trash can. Uh, she went and got that out. Uh, one time we were driving down Vine Street and I made some kind of threat and I don't know what it was but I took a stuffed animal and threw it out the window. Um, I intentionally threw it in my brother's yard, but they didn't really know that, uh, and we had to go back and get it because they cried. But anyway, um, <laughs> I had to give them another chance. Just just last week, uh, I'm, I'm helping coach girls basketball again. I'm a, a, the assistant junior high coach, and the head coach, Mr. A, he's this is his 20th year. He's been doing it a while. Um, he, he told the team at halftime, he said, if the other team makes a single basket in the third quarter, we're practicing on Friday. They didn't want to practice Friday. They had a dance and uh, just didn't want to get all sweaty and have to hurry up and get to the dance. So anyway, he told them if they make one basket, we're practicing tomorrow because they shouldn't have made any baskets. And so uh, come out in the third quarter, the other team, this girl traveled, didn't call it. She threw up a long shot. It went in. And uh, he gave them a pass, though. We're, we're, we're too soft, I guess. But I assume that many of you have probably made a, given a warning to someone and, uh, and then didn't follow through, gave them a second chance, um, or someone did that for you. This is not one of those situations. This story, uh, the king, the evil king, the one who, again, I said, destroyed their, their homes and, and uh, the temple and crushed their religious symbols. He changed their names. He wanted no connection between them and God. He wanted their full worship and commo uh, uh, um, devotion and, and commitment and if, and if he didn't get it, then he was going to kill them. That's the threat. He's going to follow through. It's not like having, you know, your toys thrown away. They would be thrown into a furnace room, a room full of fire. And, and so then he asks Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a question. He says, then what God will be able to rescue from you from my hand? You're worshiping this God, and what he's saying is, I'm more powerful than God. You're, you're a God who you, who you want to give all your commitment to. Yeah, good luck. See what happens when I put you in the fire. Here's the, qu here's the, the question. 
I, w- I want to reword this question, though, for us this morning. I think the question he was asking is, who are you more afraid of, me or your God? Who are you more afraid of, the fire, the, the thing that you're facing right now, or your God? Which do you love more, your comfort, your security, your job, your family, or your God? Because in this moment, these young men had to make a very big decision. They could, they could disobey God, and they could just bow down. They didn't even have to give their hearts to it. They could have just went through the motions. The king's right there. The statue's right here. If we would just go ahead and bow down to it, we don't really have to actually worship it. We can just pretend. Then at least they, they won't kill us. I mean, that was what they could have done, and no one would have probably judged them for that. We're just trying to to survive, you know, we're, we're getting to the next day, then we can serve God with, with the rest of our lives. We could justify it if we wanted. Their, their God, or their very own life, they had to choose. Because they did consider that death was an option. Let's look at how they faced, how, how their faith held up in the fire. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from, uh, sorry, from it, and he will, uh, from your majesty's hand. Verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I mean, think about that. How's that for boldness here? They just stood up to the king and said, we don't need to defend you. We don't have to say anything here. We don't have to defend ourselves. Why not? They're facing death here because God will fight for them. They know that God will fight for them. I believe that as, as believers, as Christians, as people, we should do what we can for ourselves. We should do what we can for others, and we should do what we can for God. But sometimes we can't do anything, and we have to accept that. We are not God. We are people. And this was one of those times. They acknowledged God's part when facing the fire. When we face our fire, we have to acknowledge that we do have a God that loves us. We do have a God that is faithful. We do have a God that is strong. And so they acknowledge that God is able. They acknowledge that, that God would deliver them. But they said this, though, and I, and I, you know, it's like when we pray for something to happen, and then we say, if it's your will. You know, uh, I, God, I, I, I'm going to pray for this, and I'm gonna, I know you're going to come through, but if you don't, that's exactly what they did here. They made their choice. God, you do your part, or don't, that's your choice, but my part is to be faithful. And that's exactly what they did. Even if, even if he doesn't come through, they said, we're still not going to bow. We're going to be faithful. We won't give control. We won't give our minds. We won't give our hearts to the things that appear to have power, something that would destroy them instantly. It would kill them, but only the body, not the soul. We know that we don't, we don't fear things that have no power over our soul. Now, this was, I think this is pretty inspirational, this text. It's like, okay, I can stand up, I can stand up uh, uh, against anything. I could, I've got God on my side, but the king wasn't so inspired. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. 
He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up the men and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these, these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. All right, got to pause again. The furnace is really hot, seven times hotter. The soldiers uh, that, that took them up there and went to push them in, they were on the outside of the furnace, and the heat was so hot, it, they just died from it right there. I want to note something else here. It says in verse 23, it says, these three men firmly tied. Now, this matters a lot. They were firmly tied when they went into the furnace. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. Verse 24, the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And then he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. There's a lot here. I know this is a story that a lot of people have heard as kids. The whole book of Daniel has been a, a story that, um, that people have looked to, especially uh, watching a young man grow up. This is a good one. There's a lot in, in this verse alone. There, there's a miracle in the story that happened. We know that. These, went, these men went into a blazing fire, a deadly fire, and they didn't die. The heat was so hot on the outside that people died. They went into it, and they were unharmed. That's the miracle in this story. I think what else matters here is that it says that they were firmly tied. That's a small detail. Why, why does it say that? First, it says they're firmly tied in verse 23 when they went in. And then somehow, when they were walking through the fire, uh, it says in verse 25 that they were walking around unbound. The thing that, that held them is no longer there. The thing that tied them is gone. We will go through fires, every one of us. Some will be small, some will be really big, some will, will be uh, short, some will last a long time. But what might we become free from because of those fires? Maybe a fire helps you to become free of an addiction. You know, uh, someone might have an addiction and they get in trouble or they get caught or uh, something, they, they make a mistake that, that, uh, that hurts other people or themselves or their families. And, and it's a fire at the time. They don't want to be going through that. They don't want to be going through the consequences of it. But maybe they come out free from what was holding them, free from the addiction. Maybe a fire comes through the form of job loss. And, uh, and maybe you had this job that you worked so much you didn't get to see your family. Or, or you had to try to keep up a lifestyle because of the work. And, and now through this fire, you come out and you're free uh, from what you felt like a prisoner to. Maybe it's a health crisis and, and you become free from a, a lifestyle that you were living maybe beforehand that made you feel terrible all the time. And now you go through this and you come out and it's like, oh, well now, I, now I feel better. I'm free from this. I want to note that God did not put them in the fire. They actually had a choice on this one. I know we don't always have choices on the fires we face. God did not put them in the fire. They were faithful to him, but he walked with them when they were in it. That's what matters more. 
God will respond in ways that we may never even know or ask for, but will we stay faithful long enough to see it through? Because our fires might look a lot different than this story. I'm going to guess probably none of us will be thrown into a fire if we don't bow down to a statue. Our fires probably look a lot different, but our fires also look very similar. What they were going through, the, the, the fear uh, the, the, the guilt uh, of, of, you know, am I doing this right? Uh, you're not understanding, uh, what if I make the wrong decision here? Um, our fires are similar. And who was with him in the fire? Oh, we sang that song right before for this very reason. There was another in the fire, and it says, the fourth looks like a son of the gods. The whole Bible points to Jesus, and I believe that Jesus was with him in that fire. You know, whether we say God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're all different forms, but the same God, the one true God, was with them that day in the fire. And Jesus in the fire that day was pointing to, to Jesus, who has always been our Savior. He was with them in the fire. He saved them. He walks through the fires of this evil world, fires that we walk through as well, to set us free and to unbound us from the things in this world that makes us prisoners, both today and eternally. We're, we're, we're in our sin, we're in our guilt, we're in relational crises. We're, we, we face so many things daily, and He's walking with us, and He's here to set us free. But we have to walk with Him, or it doesn't happen. The fire pointed to the fact that death has no power when we are with Jesus. As much as we might not enjoy the fires when we walk through them with Him, when we come out free from them, we are free from the fears of that fire and probably the next one and the next one and the next one. The more that you walk with Jesus through the fire, the more you see that he's faithful and you come out not fearing the next fire. That's why we have to stay close to him when, when we're not in the fire or we've just come out, but it's coming. Will we be faithful and ready to go through it? There's an old song uh, that my wife introduced me to. I think it came out in 2004, and she told me about it later, and I really like it's called Marvelous Light. And in the chorus it says, sin has lost its power, death has lost its sting. Okay, but why? From the grave you've risen victoriously. I, I know it's very simple. Romans chapter 8, the first few verses, kind of says the same thing. This is what happens when we walk with Jesus. Sin loses its power, death loses its sting, and we know that we are on the winning side. So Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26, then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's how he describes them. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. How's that for a description of, of a God he didn't even believe in and wanted to destroy everything about him, and he now describes him as servants of the Most High God, because he saw, him at, he saw him work, and he saw their faithfulness. So they came out unharmed. Verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel uh, and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. See the result here? What happened? Because they were faithful, 
this, this king who everyone hears, everyone listens to the king talk, says this is the most high God. This is the God that is powerful. Now, how do we do that? We don't, we don't have to face the same things. But when we face fires, do we give them the same power? Do we give them control? Do we, do we say, well, yeah, I mean, I trust God and, and uh, he's, he's faithful, but, and then we say, but this is more powerful, or this is more immediate, or this can do more damage. And we just acknowledge God for who he is. In this story here, Nebuchadnezzar here, his evil side came through even in the decree. He says, if anyone talks bad about their God, I'm going to cut them to pieces and destroy their home. That's, that's who he was. But more importantly, he acknowledged who God was. And lives were changed and God was honored because these men were willing to stand firm in the fire. I want to share a story. Um, I just want to read it to wrap up. Uh, it isn't the most fun or uplifting, uh, but I think, I think every person, regardless of age, um, whether you're coming out of the fire, you're, going, you're in the fire now, or you're, you're heading towards it, I think we need to know this truth about life, about fires, and about God's love for you. So it's a little bit lengthy, but I'm just going to read it. It says, there once was a coal miner, a Christian, who was injured in the mines at a young age. He was paralyzed from the neck down. Over the years, he watched through a window beside his bed as life passed him by. He watched men of his own age prosper, raise families, and have grandchildren. He watched, but he did not share the rewards or the joys of others with whom he once worked. He watched as his body withered, his house crumbled, and his life wasted away. Then one day, when the bedridden miner was quite old, a younger man came to visit him. I hear that you believe in God and the claim that he loves you, said the young man. How can you believe such things with what has happened to you? Do you sometimes doubt God's love? The old man now hesitated and smiled, and he said, Yes, it is true. Sometimes Satan comes calling on me in this fallen-down old house of mine. He sits right there by my bed where you're sitting now. He points out um, my window to the men I once worked with who are still strong and active, and Satan asks, does Jesus love you? Then Satan casts cast a jeering glance around my tattered room as he points to the fine homes of the friends across the street and asks again, does Jesus love you? And then at last Satan points to the grandchild of a friend of mine, a man who has everything I do not, and Satan waits for the tear in my eye, and then he whispers in my ear, does Jesus really love you? What do you say when Satan speaks to you that way, asks the young man? The old miner said, I take Satan by the hand. I lead him in my mind to a hill far away called Calvary. There I point to the thorn-tortured brow, to the nail-pierced hands and feet, and to the spear-wounded side. Then I ask Satan, doesn't Jesus love me? This isn't exactly our story, but this is our story. We will constantly be pressed to question God's love for us. And we will always have that reminder in Jesus. The cross gives us confidence in God, despite a lifelong heartache. Had any of us stood at the foot of the cross and seen what Jesus went through on it, we would have begged for God to stop. In this suffering, don't make him suffer anymore for my sins. We wouldn't want to, to stand there and watch him die on the cross and know that this is for me. But God knew better. He 
did not stop it until the, the life of the one who hung there had stopped breathing. The agony did not mean that God failed, nor the, that the faith of the one who died was weak. There was great suffering, but in that suffering there was a purpose so loving and so powerful and so good that our eternity changed as a result, and we became unbound, free from our sins. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you so much uh, for uh, what you did for us. Uh, to see that you've always been a rescuer, a savior, um, to, to walk uh, through this fire uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we see your faithfulness come through. We see your power, and we see the example in these men of how we too can walk through the fires. And so I pray that you would comfort us, that you would give us peace, that you would give us the reminder every week of, of who you are and what you've done for us. And so we thank you for that love. We thank you for what you did through your son on the cross, that you would take away um, our chains, that you would, you would free us to walk through this life not carrying guilt, um, not being held back, but being able to live through you and for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Um, my name is Deanne. I was um, raised in the church, not in this church, but this lady used to take me every Sunday. And um, I was real active here for a while, sharing a lot of communion meditations and being on praise team. And then as many of you know, about six years ago, um, we lost Micah Wakeman in this church. And that impacted our family greatly. And I spent a lot of time pausing and grieving, and this church allowed me to do that. And I came into this space, and I came to just trust that God would provide through his people what I needed to hear and what I needed to feel on a Sunday. So when I was asked if I would share communion meditation this morning, I did what I always do. I sat and I prayed, and I tried to look at the scripture that Casey was going to talk about, and God was just really, I have this, just not quite ready to reveal it to you yet. And as I got up early this morning and I was still sitting and looking at scripture and I was still praying, God was saying the same thing. And then he just started to speak to me today. So I want to share with you just the ways that he's spoken to me today throughout the service. In the music that we sang, we were reminded, you were the word at the beginning one with God, the Lord Most High, your hidden glory and creation now revealed in you are Christ. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Your love was greater. What could separate us now? I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, his body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone. Then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce space between where I used to be and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. All my debt left for dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer a slave 
there is a grave that holds no body, and now that power lives in me. Out of the fire, in the fire, into the fire. It was mentioned by Casey this morning, and where I kept feeling led was Romans 8:26. Pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us 